This episode of the Series A podcast is brought to you by the Blockchain Founders Fund. The Blockchain Founders Fund is a global entrepreneurship and investment fund that focuses on adding value to emerging technology and blockchain projects with real-world applications. The Blockchain Founders Fund supports seasoned and first-time entrepreneurs across the key business function with a hands-on intensive go-to-market venture program. Our second sponsor is SGI Partners based in New York City. SGI Partners is a private investment firm that pursues compelling investment opportunities in middle market businesses. SGI has a flexible mandate to invest across the capital structure in control-oriented investments, ranging from strategic financing to buyouts, allowing us to implement innovative investment strategies that preserve invested capital and mitigate risk while driving growth and creating value. As an, inv- as an advisor to SGI partners, I help identify investment targets in my geographical area. Now on to this fantastic new episode. Joe Vezani joins us today from Orange County, California. Joe is founder and CEO of Lunar Cross, the crypto inside startup. Joe, welcome to Series A, the podcast where we talk about venture capital and crypto lately. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, George. How about yourself? Doing fine here. So let me start uh, right off the bat. Is Tether a scam? <laughs> right off the bat with the, with the tough ones. <laughs> um, you know, I, I can't say that I'm the, you know, the ultimate expert on, on Tether specifically. What I can say um, based on some of the analysis and the data that I've seen um, and I'm looking forward to, you know, I've heard that, um, you know, they are going to have an audit um, from some of the big U.S. firms. So looking forward to seeing that. But um, if kind of some of the esoteric things that I've heard are true, which is, you know, they do have 75% of the reserves, um, you know, on hand. And they, um, you know, when you put that against something like the U.S. banks that currently, you know, only need 0% of cash on hand to lend out to anyone. I would say that, um, you know, it's, it, you know, if that, if just looking at those two things, I would say that I would rather have someone have 75% of the cash on hand, um, than 0% and lend it out regardless of some of the other controls that are in place. Um, you know, because if there's an actual run on a U.S. bank, um, we know the backstop to that is, is printing an exceptional amount of money. Um, versus if all of the U.S. banks had 75% of the reserves on hand, um, I think the stress tests there would, you know, would always pass. So I don't know who comes up with the stress tests. Um, so, I, I mean, I can't say that I can speak to it in too much more detail than that outside of let's see what the data says. So I guess we'll see what happens with that. So yeah. let's take a step backwards and uh, let's, let's do a proper start. Uh, Joe, if you can uh, tell us a little bit about your background. And uh, how did you end up uh, found, uh, starting Lunar Cross? Yeah, I mean, I I came out of school in 2008, um, you know, right when, at least here in the U.S., um, the Great Recession was was kind of getting kick-started. Um, for me, it was, you know, I grew up um, doing everything from finding golf balls and selling them back to golfers for, you know, 50% of the value on uh on a golf course and, you know, selling sodas and pop to those guys. I'm from the Midwest. So I say pop. Um, and, you know, always kind of had that, that spirit to just 
try and, you know, be an entrepreneur. Um, and you know, when the opportunity came in, in, um, you know, my career to go and take those risks, I always jumped at that opportunity. Um, you know, and I always kind of felt like you wanted, you know, I needed to create something from nothing. Um, and it was, it was always kind of the, my, my own personal burden to make that happen. Um, and you know, when I found cryptocurrency and I found Bitcoin specifically in 2015, I was like, holy shit, this is like the intersection of finance and technology. And, and what is this going to solve? Like how do, what, what is this solving of the double spend problem going to do? And what does that disrupt? And then, you know, when you start to really dig in and you realize, well, everything, um, you know, you just have to, you have to go after. And, and so, uh, my co-founder and I, John, you know, we work together, um, at an advertising agency of all places, um, building websites and apps. And, you know, we would just talk about it every day and we were like, what, like, what do we build? What do we do? Right. And in 2017, um, you know, we looked at, you know, how do you really delineate between a Bitcoin and then now all of these kind of ICOs and things that were happening on Ethereum? What's the, like, what's the difference? You know, we really didn't, we really didn't know. And then it was, you know, you dig into the fundamentals, but then you also start to dig into, well, if everything is going to be tokenized in the future and some of these are public blockchains and, you know, they can be owned, then, you know, they don't have earnings reports, they don't have, quarterlies, 10 Ks, they don't, they don't have management, you know? And so it was all came down to community. Um, and how do you assess whether or not something has a growing or a shrinking or a spiking or a rapidly declining community? Um, and so where do you go find that data? And it was social media, um, you know, Twitter, Reddit, YouTube, all the news that's out there, you know, there's 8,000 actively traded cryptocurrencies today, whether or not, um, you know, the, the, <laughs> the rest of the market and the Bitcoin maximalists will tell you, there's just one, there's literally 8,000. Um, and these are, some of these are companies. Some of these people are trying to disrupt Bitcoin and be the next Bitcoin. Um, so there's no fault in that. And, you know, for us, it was, well, each of these has a community online and we need to help people understand and create transparency in the space on whether or not these things, um, you know, are growing and which one's the better investment. Um, and so we just kind of provide the data and the place and the platform for free that people can go and, you know, understand these communities that are growing or shrinking or spiking or dying on social media. So that's what we do. Um, so tell us a little bit more about that. So how do you actually analyze what's going on in Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, and so on? And, uh, and then how does it translate on your uh, platform? And then how do you monetize that? Yeah, so we, we're looking for mentions of every specific cryptocurrency that we can get. Um, you know, we're looking at probably 2,500 right now um, in real time, 24-7, 365, um, you know, because a human can't do that on their own, right? What's in, just in your Twitter feed is just what you're seeing, but that's not what the market is reacting to. And so we try to help distill that down. Um, and we, we do it through, you know, a lot of nuance, you know, it's not just something that you can just code out, you know, where you're picking up, you know, price only from each of the exchanges and you're showing what that is. That's just one small side of what the market is, is the price. Um, but how people are feeling and the psychology of the market as everyone knows is, is the, is the big puzzle that we're all trying to solve. And so 
um, you know, as we pick up all these different mentions of the um, different projects, you know, like little tickers, we'll pick up keywords, um, all these things. And, you know, we're really looking for, um, we're looking for, you know, some nuance around that language too, which is, you know, people in the cryptocurrency market don't speak the same way as they would speak in the traditional markets um, where, you know, if you're a, a trader, you're not going to say, you're not going to tweet out, oh, Bank of America got wrecked today, R-E, and spell it R-E-K-T, right? But someone in the cryptocurrency market will post that. And many, many people, thousands of people might post that. And so we had to kind of train our own machine learning language library. Um, so we have a natural language processing library that looks at specific um, terms and targets. We didn't just pick up kind of a random library and apply it to a market that didn't make sense. Um, and so we aggregate all that data, we organize it, we clean it, and then um, you know, we showcase that back to our customers through thousands of coin detail pages for each specific project. And, um, you know, right now we're a venture backed kind of growth stage company. And so, um, you know, we're, we're looking at different ways to monetize. Um, we have a huge audience, um, and we've been very patient about that. Um, we haven't charged anyone for anything that we've done yet, um, outside of a tiny bit with our API. Um, but everything from retail side um, has been 100% free and it's been on purpose. Are you collecting data from all around the world or just the US? Um, all around the world, all languages. Um, a lot of what we show on our, um, our site is just English right now, um, but we're building out a mobile app right now. Um, and that's going to have, um, we're going to start incorporating more languages on top of that. Um, what's your opinion on coin market cap and are you using that site to to get the data feed um, we look at all the different price aggregators um, so an aggregation of the aggregation for price uh, is something that we're we're looking at we do think um, you know you have to keep an eye on the entire market and not just one exchange or a couple exchanges and aggregate that um, but I don't have any sort of like specific opinion, I would say about it. I mean, anyone that's building in the cryptocurrency space that's spent a lot of time and effort into doing so, um, like myself, regardless of if they're building something that's slightly similar or not similar to what I'm doing, I feel all things aside is probably someone that's thinking very closely and is aligned with my mission and goal in life. Talk to us about the user experience, uh, say, somebody from our audience is just uh, uh, going to go on your platform for the first time, what will uh, she experience and uh, what will she take out of that? I mean, will she decide uh, where to invest? If you're coming out to lunarcrush.com for the first time, um, you're going to see tables kind of similar to what you're going to see with a lot of the kind of like aggregators of information in the space. Um, but what you're quickly going to realize is that there's more there um, than just price analysis, um, that there's kind of this watering hole and in, in community of projects and individuals that are, you know, coming together and we're kind of painting the, the picture of what that looks like, even for, you know, maybe a, a project that, you know, is not huge yet. Um, you know, that is requested to come on to lunarcrush.com. And, you know, we do our best to get everyone listed as fast as humanly possible without charging anyone for anything. Um, but you're just going to, you're going to start to see the community. You're going to start to see, you know, price performance versus something like social volume, right? Which is 
unique mentions of a specific coin across all the different data sources that we pull, you know, or you're going to see social contributors, which is unique individuals, not just unique mentions, um, unique people that are speaking kind of like number of, you know, wallet addresses for blockchain data. It's for social. It's like how many individual people are speaking about, you know, Bitcoin every day over time. And is that number more or less? Is it, you know, growing now on a consistent basis. And so you're going to start to get a, a feel for a different data point and data set in an industry that desperately needed it, um, that all industries I think should be looking at and trying to, which all of the large hedge funds and all of the large institutions are already doing most of this, but they're doing it um, on their own and it's very, very expensive and they're holding it close to their vest and they're not giving it to the average everyday retail investor. Um, and so we're trying to kind of make that data available for everyone and do it in a way that's clean and beautiful. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we launched a, a, a feature for alerts recently uh, where you can basically set a alert and get it sent to Telegram or Twitter or SMS if you're here in the U.S. or email. And, um, you know, you can get alerted on anything on our platform. So there's 27 different social metrics or 27 total metrics. Um, you know, about 20 of those are probably socially related. And, you know, you can start to get alerted if the social volume, um, you know, for Chainlink has started to increase, right? And I think now there's, um, you know, tens of thousands of alerts that are on there. Um, and outside of price with social, you never see any alerts that are the same. Um, you know, so it just goes to show that there's so many different types of strategies and individuals and places where these people are at to make investments. And so, um, I think what we're doing is helping give folks the confidence to make better investment decisions. A lot of people in the past couple of days, uh, say that, uh, Bitcoin is rising due to Amazon that uh, is looking for cryptocurrency, um, job uh, position uh, what is your take on uh, the reasons why bitcoin has risen the couple last couple of days well i think i think they've repealed or at least denied that um uh that they are going to that they are investigating it at all i, I would say any large corporation um you know is investigating in some regard <laughs> you know whether or not they're going to integrate it into a feature set um you know or hold it on their balance sheet, you know, they're probably investigating in some way, shape or form. So I don't, I'm not sure if I believe that. Um, you know, I think, I think it's probably, you know, you're seeing kind of the last of some of the China FUD that's out there. Um, you know, you can see that that news really isn't having, a, you know, an effect on the market as it was earlier in the year. Um, you know, it, it's, it's crazy it is, as it is, but it's like, I run a, you know, social media analytics company. So it's like, it, it makes sense to me, um, you know, when large, when large scale individuals that have a large audience, um, you know, instill some confidence in the way that they feel about the market, you know, with what happened at the B word conference with Elon and Jack and Kathy Wood, um, you know, that, that reverberates a little bit, right. It's someone who has changed their position that has a large audience. Um, and I think that that was just a little bit of a seed that was planted maybe to kind of like bottom, bottom this market out. Um, and you know, whether the Amazon news was something that the, you know, the procured Amazon news or whatever you want to call it, that was out there kept kind of pushing it. That's just another narrative that, that people are going to buy. And, um, you know, if something gets kind of pulled back, you're seeing a little pullback in the price now. 
um, some news and everything is kind of driving it, but that's short term. Um, you know, I think fundamentally, you know, as a lot of these miners are getting, are getting reworked across the world and, you know, more institutions are coming in, more people are coming in. Um, you know, I think we're just, I think it's ready for a reversal here. Do you think we are currently in a crypto winter? And if so, when is summer going to come? <laughs> um, if it's a winter, it's going to be a quick one. You know, I think, you know, even like, you know, if you retrace back to like what happened with COVID in 2020, even with the traditional markets, I think we're like the speed of information is insane now. It's insanely fast and markets can turn on a dime. Um, you know, we all know the term V-shaped recovery. Um, but you know, you just, you don't know the, the news or the piece of information that's going to happen or the paradigm shift that's going to happen in a industry that's going to change everything overnight. And, um, you know, I think we, maybe we've seen that. Um, but I think, you know, when you think about winter or summer or time, I think it's going to start to kind of move in, in cycles or sectors of the space, right? Like you have DeFi, you have NFTs, um, you know, why would a certain NFT, that is done by an artist that has nothing to do with financial markets suddenly decrease in value if Bitcoin decreases in value, right? And so I think you're going to start to see this divergence of markets within our space um, as more things start to tokenize and more companies start to tokenize that, um, you know, we're going to just have so many different types of markets that there's going to be um, markets that are on fire, you know, and in just absolute summertime um, when maybe Bitcoin is in a complete winter. Uh, using your insights platform, would you be able to predict uh, another GameStop in the crypto space? And if so, would you have some levels of alert becoming uh, starting from green and going to red as this happens? Well, I mean, I think we see that every day on the platform. Um, you know, if you're following a specific project and um, you know, you're suddenly seeing like we have a metric called social engagement. You know, I mentioned social volume before, which is more like unique mentions, uh, social contributors, which was unique people. Social engagement's really measuring kind of the virality of, you know, a project and, and a post potentially. So things like, you know, retweets, likes, upvotes, um, you know, just kind of reoccurrences of a, of a certain mention and how quickly that's moving. And you got to remember with social, um, just because you, post something doesn't necessarily mean that it goes viral that very second. Um, you know, it takes time for things to kind of snowball and start to move and start to kind of grow. And so, um, you know, a lot of times we'll see social engagement spikes um, in a specific project that, you know, something was mentioned somewhere across the web that you weren't looking. Um, but now, you know, you can be kind of attached to that, um, you know, listening of the rest of the market outside of just your feed. And so you can set an alert for, you know, hey, when social engagement spikes 3,000%, I want to be notified, right? And so that's going to bring to your attention that um, something's happening over here. Go pay attention to it. You have built in-house an algorithm that tracks social uh, movements with respect to the crypto space. Would you be able to outsource this to other sectors or perhaps to other industries that uh, might want to uh, use your algorithm. For example, let me say an example, a close example would be um, gambling and sports gambling. Uh, I mean, the, it's a, 
it's a it's not a short answer um, on whether or not. I mean, there are there are certain marketplaces that you know obviously you know people are talking about things more rapidly. Um, you know, and instantly applying that to to sports gambling, I'm not I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, because the data has to be there, right? And in in crypto, um, you know, we're at a place where you know, these projects are going in, you know, they're not even looking for the website. The website URL is not the first thing that you look for when creating a brand or a company. They're looking for a Twitter handle and they're trying to make sure that their Twitter handle is unique. And so, um, you know, the, the quantity and the speed of data across the public networks for things like cryptocurrency is probably second to none. Um, you know, I would say that you're probably seeing a lot more, um, you know, from a tech sector side with traditional stocks. Um, as the generation gets, um, that's in place right now and the millennials get a little bit older and, you know, everyone becomes an, their own investor. I think you're going to see more of that also in the future as public discourse kind of grabs hold of that marketplace. And, um, you know, you're probably going to see more and more of that, um, you know, as, uh, as time goes on. So I would say that it would probably increase more into the future than it does today. Yeah. So, so since you mentioned it, would you be able to collaborate, say, with Robinhood and um, have them use your technology, but for uh, Wall Street stocks. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So every day you wake up and you see some things, some trends that uh, people, uh, that your algorithm is um, finding out about. So uh, are the, the trends that you are looking at that that these are the results from your algorithm are these uh, information something that you can only see as as the the head of the company or is that information something that all your users can see everyone can see it our tool is 100 free um you know all you have to do is is sign up and even without a sign up you can still see a large majority of the of the data that's out there including all the headlines and everything um, you're just going to get a little bit more of a timeline of data um, if you sign up, um, you know, and, and we don't sell any data, we'll never sell any data, um, you know, so it's like you're, you're, you're getting a good swath of the marketplace. So everyone that's on lunarcrush.com has seen the exact same thing um, that I'm seeing when I'm logged in, um, you know, obviously, you know, there's, there's folks that are on our site that I, you know, have thousands of hits and visits that have more usage than even we do internally. It's insane. Um, and so, you know, I'd kind of like, maybe have to go ask those folks what, what they're working on and what they're doing. Hmm. Uh, so tell us some examples of what are people talking about uh, yesterday and today? Well, I mean, you're seeing a lot of, uh, I mean, what day is it? July, it's Tuesday, July 27th. And so, um, you know, you're seeing right now kind of the unfolding of uh, some of that Amazon news from earlier this week. And people, I think, are looking at that and saying, you know, well, where where is the appropriate price of this? How do, how do we price in, you know, that, that like Elon and everyone is doing this and that how do we price in that, um, you know, Goldman Sachs says that people can do custody now, or JP Morgan says that people can do custody now. And, um, you know, so I think people are trying to figure out where we are. And um, those are some of the things that we're seeing. You know, we're also still seeing a ton around NFTs, um, you know, and we're seeing a lot of platforms that are trying to grow that out and, and kind of adapt, you know, that marketplace into more of kind of like a rights and access kind of a social token, um, you know, industry. I think, 
there'll be these NFTs that are art based, that are amazing, that are super interesting when it's like very eclectic um, art. But I think that people want more, um, you know, than just a kind of like a digital print when it comes to owning an NFT, they want, you know, rights or access to, you know, a specific event, maybe that that artist is putting on or that musician is, is having, or, you know, so I think we're going to see more of that kind of built in. And so we still see every. You're looks like you're muted, George. You were saying something about NFTs. Yeah, no, I was just, just talking about, you know, how we're still seeing, um, you know, a lot of growth around that sector and how it's kind of um, adjusting and, and iterating into more of kind of a rights and access type of industry. And I think you'll, you'll still see these kind of beautiful um, pieces of art and these kind of eclectic and interesting pieces of digital print. But I think people are, are they're, they're kind of yearning for more there where they're looking for, you know, Hey, I want to own this specific ticket or this thing, or this experience, um, you know, that this NFT gives me the access or the rights to go to, or I can sell that. Um, and there's marketplaces for those things. So I think that that's kind of what we'll see. And that's something that we see all the time. There's that piece of the, the growth in the market. And then I think, you know, we're still flushing this kind of meme token, um, you know, part of our industry, you know, through the system. Um, you know, we're still seeing a lot of that. We're seeing some gain traction. I don't know what those necessarily are going to turn into, but it is kind of interesting um, to kind of recognize that you have these, this kind of like marketplace or these industry of these people that are kind of like just believing in the same thing and aggregating like some source of wealth there. And, and how, I think the next stage is, well, how do you turn that into something interesting? Um, cause it's kind of no different than if, you know, I said, Hey, if you, you know, you love like this specific type of bicycle, I'm going to get all of these people together. We're all going to put a million dollars in, and now we're gonna have a billion dollars just sitting there for people that just like this bicycle. It's like, great. Like that, is that worth something? Evidently it is. Um, now what if that thing can be traded, but then what do you do with that? Right. What do you do with that, that source of money there? And you look at. Um, I don't, don't know if it was AMC or GameStop. I think it was GameStop, but you know, you look at a price run up like something like that in the traditional market, and then you see, oh, they're issuing bonds or they're issuing stock and they're recapitalizing the company and they're going to reinvent the company and turn it into something crazy. Um, not crazy, just something new and different. And who knows where they're going to take that, but it's a recapitalization of the company. Um, obviously you have a lot of bankers and a lot of operations people that see that and jumped at that opportunity. I think you know, when you're talking about a decentralized group of, you know, probably younger folks that might not have the experience around that, they, they might not know how to adjust that market yet to take advantage, but hopefully they can recognize it and do it soon. You mentioned in the beginning that you see everything uh, becoming tokenized in the future. Uh, do you see that happening at all, at least in the business uh, space? I do. Um, and I think it, it's going to take the correct, you know, regulation and the correct environment for those things to happen. Um, you know, but I, I, it's like, it takes something like Starbucks rewards points, right? There's technically a dollar value to those points because they know how many points it takes, you know, to buy your, you know, 
tall um, grande or venti um, uh, Starbucks, you know, or your some of the food that's there, right? So they have that, you know, token of value, which is a Starbucks, you know, point. And, you know, what if they just grew that part of their business to, hey, how many Starbucks points is one, um, you know, one share of Starbucks stock worth? Right. And then they just, the math is there. And then they say, you know what, we're going to, um, you know, decentralize this company because, you know, most companies, a lot of companies die after a, a founder is gone or the passion is gone or, um, you know, so you can tokenize it pretty simply. Um, you know, it's probably not that difficult. And then all things kind of run through that token, which is now the equal value of whatever the points were or whatever the stock was. Um, who knows, issue a credit card, Starbucks credit card now, and I can spend my Starbucks token or points to buy, you know, a vehicle to get to work. Wow. Like that wasn't that far of a stretch. So do you see Lunar Crash uh, operating as a decentralized organization at some point, or is it just uh, like any other companies? I mean, I was a really big fan um, of what Eric Voris did with Shapeshift, um, what he announced, I think it was like a week or two ago, um, where they were, um, after seven years of operating as a company, um, going to decentralize. Um, and I, I kind of see it similarly to um, like Bitcoin, right? Like Bitcoin was the most centralized token in the world at one point. It was one person, and then it was two, and then it was three, um, and then it was a group, and now it's millions, right? So at, at every everything starts centralized from the idea stage, right? Um, starts with one person. No matter what, every idea is one person that tells another person whether or not that person had the same idea or instantly had a, you know, built on top of that idea. Um, it's still one person. Um, and so, you know, I think the, the world and risk, um, when you look at those things and you look at a company and how the company interacts with that, if you can build a, a, a beautiful system that allows the community to own and be a part and be vested in what's happening, then I think that that's probably the better idea. Joe, you mentioned that Lunar Cross is a venture-backed uh, business. Uh, are you guys raising right now or anytime soon? Um, we are not. Um, you know, we did our kind of first venture round um, last year. Um, it's super successful. Uh, Draper Gorn Home um, has been a big partner of ours from the beginning. And they're a, a great partner, you know, in, invested in everything we do from, you know, they were basically the, the furthest away from here's some money, we'll get out of your way type of uh, VC is possible. They were just, they've been helpful around every turn um, and actually help us execute on, on tons of stuff. They run a, an amazing conference that's given us a lot of purview. <clears throat> I think I read, I can't remember which VC was talking about it, but it was saying the next large VC um, is going to be a media company um, and be a media VC. And I feel like uh, DGH fits right into that. Um, and so, it, you know, it's been like I, like I was mentioning with Shapeshift, you know, it was a seven year journey for them um, to kind of move out of that. And, you know, I think some, some companies are, there's some DAOs that are trying to kind of jumpstart that from the beginning, but I think depending on the type of company that works and sometimes it doesn't work. So as a venture backed CEO, do you have any final words for our audience, perhaps uh, of advice to entrepreneurs who want to 
launch their uh, crypto projects? Yeah, I mean, when we like we did a Techstars program back in 2019, um, you know, and it was kind of we started building, you know, during a bear market and you know, we would go talk to, to venture capitalists and they would, Techstars is great. They bring in hundreds of VCs and mentors and everyone else. And I mean, we literally had people like, well, I thought like the, like Bitcoin was dead. Or like, I thought that this wasn't like, I thought, what are you guys doing? Right? Like, I'm not going to fund this. And, you know, you just, after hearing some of those people, and then you hear a couple of people that like freak out and they're so excited about what you're working on, you start to realize very quickly. And even, you know, there's tons of industries, but you really need to help. You really need to identify the people that, you know, you don't need to have those first three slides of the deck that explain the industry, right? Like if you're, if I'm explaining that cryptocurrency is a large industry and that it's going to grow in perpetuity, you're probably not the venture capitalist for us, right? Like maybe if you're super humble about getting started and you express that, um, then yeah, come on board and, you know, we can help you if you can help us. But <clears throat> excuse me, I think, you know, you just have to, you just have to talk to a lot of people and you have to get out there and find the people that are going to fit with what you're doing. And it's difficult. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, I've talked to like hundreds and hundreds of different venture capitalists. We had some moments, you know, when we were raising money early on. And of course you're like, are we going to, is this going to happen? You know, we, this is before Wall Street bets. This is before all of this stuff. And you're convinced, trying to convince people that there's going to be this market there um, and you have a couple of minutes to do it. Um, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult thing to do. But I think also the, the one side of it that I can't stress enough is that it's, it's changed a little bit because of COVID. Like, you know, people just can wire money with meeting you over Zoom now. And like, that wasn't like really a thing too much before. You would meet people, you would fly there. Some VCs require the company to move there. Um, it's kind of it's kind of wild where now that's just not a thing, but it is about creating rapport and creating trust over a period of time, you know, with, uh, you know, with DGH, you know, I'll never forget it. We were, you know, I, I, we spent a year getting to know those guys um, before they invested, maybe even longer than that. Um, but when the time came, to make the ask, it was not, hi, nice to meet you. This is what we're up to. It's, you know, them saying, hey, Joe, how are you? You know, like, like, let's talk about it. Let's have a serious conversation about what this can look like. Um, so I would say, you know, as much as you want to go out and immediately ask for money, um, you're going to, you know, buckle down, get your expenses down low um, and, you know, take those couple of months to get to know people. And, you know, it's going to, it's really going to help you out in the future when you do make that ask. Um, so I would say do whatever you can to, you know, not raise until you're ready to actually go out and raise. Okay. That's a very good advice. Joe, I would like to thank you very much for sharing your insights with us. And uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much, George. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, man. See you.